Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This is Playing Around with Paige Renee. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Playing Around. I'm your host, Paige Renee, and I gave Teddy G the week off. He's working way too hard. So I brought in my friend, Amanda Rose from Action Network. So your second time being on the show. So thanks for coming back. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I had so much fun the first time. We did the U.S. Open together, right? Is that we what We that- did. Yeah. And Renee Montgomery was with us. And she was like, I fangirled over her so hard. Like, she might be one of my favorite people. She's so funny. And she's the best. It was a good time. So I'm happy to have you on. But what what have you been up to? <laughs> a lot, but also not a lot. Like, it's, I've been so busy with work. Like, we've just been crazy with, with March Madness. You know, we had the Super Bowl. Then we had March Madness. And now we're coming up on the Masters. And um, everything has just been kind of crazy. But, you know, I have a few projects coming along with work and everything. And I'm, I'm really excited about that. But now the weather's warm. I can finally go out and play golf. I think tomorrow I'm getting my first round of the season in with my dad. It's supposed to be really nice tomorrow afternoon. So, I'm just, I'm just trying to survive. I'm trying to play some golf now that there's no more snow and all that exciting stuff. Yeah. How's your game been? You know, it was, it wasn't too bad before COVID started last year. I think I'm yeah. like a one or a two and I was fine. Like, you know, I'll go out and I'll shoot 70 or I'll shoot 80. Like there's every <laughs> once in a while I'll get in between, but it's kind of one of those things, but my game's not terrible. I've, I've been working on my swing a lot. Um, not even at the range or the course, just kind of watching golf. And, you know, I take the club back to where I want it to be. And I kind of work on that transition down. So I'm actually really happy with how my swing looks right now. It's coming along. So I'm hope, hoping that tomorrow won't be too much of a disaster. And then, you know, as long as my long game's there, I can get the short game cranking soon. <laughs> Who's, whose swing are you trying to model yours after? You know, no one. It's really no one because it is it is it's just something that I know in my swing I get really long in my backswing so yeah. for me to, to to feel like I'm only hitting like a half seven iron right like not even a full swing seven iron that for me gets the club in perfect position in the back to come through right down the line and just 
hit the ball nice and straight, a little bit of draw on it. So um, I really don't model my swing after anyone because for me, it's just I need that short swing. So if I'm going to look at anyone, I might be looking at John Rahm and feel like I'm kind of, you know, going back really short or Tony Finau. But um, yeah, I don't really model my swing off of anyone because I know what I need to do in my swing. And it's just, it's the places I need to hit. And it, it kind of, that just works for me. Like, I think sometimes it's, it's tough when you're trying to model off of someone else. But I mean, anytime anyone wants to, you know, take lessons from Adam Scott or Rory McIlroy or, you know, <laughs> Scotty Scheffler, even with his footwork over the weekend, um, do it. But you got to know your own swing. <laughs> I agree with that. I mean, I remember I worked with so many coaches and they're like, okay, you need to have your swing look like Tigers in, you know, the early 2000s or Adam Scott. Mm -hmm. And then like my build is very different than (laughs) their build. And I think even as like a woman too, like we're a lot more flexible and like the way that we're shaped and like having boobs, like that's like a big (laughs) thing. Like it's really hard for me to get my takeaway because like these things just get in the way and you always have like these male, you know, swing instructors and they're like, how can you, why can't you just take it back? I'm like, cause I have tits. Like what's your problem? How can you not figure that out? So I really feel for like women picking up the game and like, it's hard. You do have to make like adjustments and you almost like can't model your swing off of anyone else's. Yeah. And and you're, and to your point with coaches saying, you know, you need to look like Tiger, you need to look like Adam Scott. (laughs) It's those cookie cutter swing coaches that I've always stayed away from my whole life. Like I found, um, I worked with John Dunnigan for a long time. He's a local Philly guy and and he, um, I don't know if he's still with Sean O'Hare, but he was with Sean O'Hare for a long time. And he was probably the first coach I had that looked at my swing and was like, don't change anything you're doing. We're just going to get the feel in there. And then the feel kind of changes stuff. So he, he's one of those coaches that not one of his kids or one of his students has the same swing because they all, you know, he kind of has that Butch Harmon approach where you take what you do naturally and you do so well. And then you translate that into your own swing. And those are the swing coaches I look for. You know, I, I like Sean Foley as a person. I have a lot of respect for him. I think his, his players have done some incredible things on tour. However, if you have that like cookie cutter kind of stuff, when you look at, like, yeah. you know, with Justin Rose, when he was with them and, and, um, kind of trying to get Tiger in that same boat. And some guys he he does great work with. Like some guys don't have that cookie cutter swing when they work with Sean Foley and it's great. Other guys do. And I think it's just tough because everyone has a different swing and you, it is really hard to make everyone try to swing like Adam Scott or Tiger in 1997. Well, and a lot of people, I mean, we talked about this on the show a lot. I have like an issue with the teaching system because mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people going to get lessons they're going and these instructors are just trying to get more money out of it and they're trying to completely like change their swing or make their swing look a certain way. And yeah, if like you're playing full time, obviously you're grinding on your swing, spending hours and hours, hours on the range trying to hit those positions. But let's just say like you have a normal job, you go out maybe on the weekends, you practice for 20 Mm -hmm. minutes, you're not going to fix your swing or change your swing. And you need to find an instructor that's going to like help you through it and like give you small little tips and not try to like rebuild your swing. And I think that's why people get so frustrated when they take lessons because they don't have the time to actually make those corrections and they get worse instead of better. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and to your point, one of the other things that I think is really tough with lessons is that those players, you know, the weekend players, people that aren't playing this game professionally, they aren't working with those instructors for eight hours a day. Yeah. Like they're not at that instructor's range or teaching facility, hitting balls kind of under their guise and 
having them be like, no, actually you caught a little out of position there, you know? So it is hard because you end up, you're like, oh, wow, I, I hit it correctly this time. I did what I needed to do. And then you start working in bad habits. So it is really tough. And for golfers to learn how to correct things on the golf course and to learn how to groove their swing on the golf course is almost more invaluable than those lessons because hundred percent that's and that's the thing like I, I took off like about four years really from playing golf once I stopped playing competitively um and when I got back into it I think I, I probably was like a five handicap when I got back into it and just by kind of grooving it and being like all right I know what I need to do I know how to fix this on the course I know when the ball goes this way like yes okay I have that knowledge I have that ability to do that but like people just playing golf like going out and just playing on a course you're gonna learn so much more about your swing and yourself doing that yeah I mean I wish I did that in junior golf especially because I was so dead set on getting the perfect swing and I thought yes. I had to have the perfect swing to you know shoot lower sc- scores and hit the ball better and really that's not it you need to go out on the golf course and learn how to score that's the only mm-hmm. way you're gonna get better and now that I you know I'm not doing that I don't care about my swing and all I do is go out and play I am so much better now right I'm like why didn't anyone tell me this before you're telling me I need to like spend hours on the driving range getting a perfect swing and you actually don't like realistically I think the perfect routine for you know really anyone unless you're you know you're playing professionally is to go practice your short game practice your putting for like 30 40 minutes before you go out and play then play nine or 18 holes and that's it. Like, that's how you're going to get so much better than spending hours on the driving range and just trying to like hit positions. That's the worst thing you possibly do. I know. And that, and it's funny you say that because like, once I stopped playing competitively, I realized that my self-worth wasn't depending, dependent on the scores I shot. And golf yes. became fun. Like, can you believe it? Like now we're they're having fun and like, you're, you're, you're a much better golfer than I ever was, even when I was good. But like, you know, it, it's so fun to see you be able to go out there and just have fun. Like you get to play all this golf and it literally doesn't matter what you shoot. You just get to have fun. Like that's golf is finally fun right now for me. And that's why I kind of didn't play a ton during coronavirus because like all I really had was golf during COVID. So like if I didn't have a good day on the golf course, it was like, you know, that was the one thing I I had. So for me personally, I actually didn't play a lot lot of golf during COVID and I just kind of worked more on my swing and just trying to get it into some better positions. So I kind of did the opposite of what I'm telling everyone (laughs) else to do, but, um, you know, golf, golf is just such a, I don't, it's a love hate thing I have with it. Like, and I'm sure you're the same way. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. It's just so weird how like your identity and your ego is so tied into golf. But like, how did you finally separate it? Because even when I wasn't playing anymore, I still had those feelings. And I'm sure a lot of people Mm -hmm. listening now, like you're saying, it's like, even if they go out on the weekend and they're looking forward to that round of golf and they don't play well and it ruins their day. Like, how do you still separate it even when, you know, you're just going out for fun? There are days when you go out and you play like crap and you kind of are miserable, even though you're having fun with like three of your best friends. And it is really, it is really, really hard to separate. But I think it's just at the end of the day, you realize like I'm outside, it's beautiful. I'm, you know, I'm with friends, I'm doing something I love. And I think that after the round is kind of when you're like, you know what, it's okay. Like I had a fun day. Now I can go eat whatever the heck I want because I just burned 1200 calories. So, you know, pizza time and Um, but yeah, it is, it is really hard to separate it. How do you separate it? It's still a work in progress. And I feel like I am at the point where I can go and play around a golf for fun. And 
I, you know, have no worries. And then I'll go out and I'll play a bad round of golf. And I get right back into that mindset of when I was playing competitively and like a a switch flips and all of a sudden I'm like, I need to practice every single day. I need to get my game back. And I like can't handle not having a good round of golf. And so that's something I still definitely struggle with. And I shouldn't, it shouldn't matter. (laughs) I should go out there and I could shoot 80, 90, 100, 60s. It literally doesn't matter, but still it's like, I still struggle with, you know, my identity being a golfer and everything that like comes with that. And so when I still have a bad round of golf, I'm like, I still get kind of upset about, and I just, I have to like step back and be like, okay, it doesn't matter at all. Like I'm not practicing as much as I used to. I can hit Mm -hmm. bad shots. And I think the biggest thing too is no one cares. No one gives a shit in your group (laughs) what you shoot. And I know there's plenty of rounds where I've shot, you know, fun rounds of golf where I shot like high seventies or in the eighties. And I was devastated and it was a fun round of golf. And I'm talking to my playing partners like, Oh my God, you played so well today. And you should like, you know, low 70, 75. No one has any idea because they're all worried about their own game. So I think that's something that everyone needs to realize. Like if you're having a really bad day, your playing partners, they have no idea at all. But if you're like acting like it's a bad day, then that's going to yeah. draw attention to it. So I think even if you're like struggling, not feeling good, act yeah. like you're feeling good. And people are going to be like, they're playing awesome today. <laughs> and it's, it's funny you say that because I feel like that like, hey, oh my God, you played so great. Usually comes up with golfers that aren't quite as good. And it's like, you feel so bad because you're like ready to wring your neck. And they're like, what? You're, you're so talented. It's so fun to watch. You're like, I just shot 82. <laughs> like, Thank you. (laughs) But, um, excuse me for like three days while I go crying to my pillow. So it's like, I always feel so bad because I'm like, Oh, but at the same time, I'm like, thank you. And that, that is kind of one of the things that makes golf fun. It's like when you realize that you playing with other people, it's like, they enjoy playing with you. Like, you know, you're, you are such a talented golfer and you hit the shit out of the ball. So I'm sure like anytime anyone gets a chance to play with you, they're like, Holy crap, this is awesome. So I think that kind of, I mean, that makes me happy. Like when I know people are like excited to play with me like I don't know does that make you feel good like when you know people are like excited and it kind of takes away from playing bad a hundred percent and like I always get questions from people like oh my gosh I could never play with you or like a pro or in a pro-am because I'm so scared of what the other pro or like a better player will think of like I have never had a bad round of golf with someone who wasn't very good or just starting out but they had a great attitude yeah but even if you play with someone who is really good but they have like a shit attitude that ruins everything so I think that's like my one big key tip here for everyone listening it's like People aren't going to care if you're playing bad. They're going to care if you have a bad attitude and you're complaining and making excuses yes. the whole time. So like, even if you're having a bad day, whatever, like laugh it off, have fun. That is so much better than someone who is like hits a drive and they're like, oh, I hit it 300 every single time. I don't know what happened. <laughs> or I've never played this bad in my life. Or, oh, I hate to, that. Like, drop the excuses. I hate the excuse person. Like, I hate that. It's my least favorite person to play with. So like anyone listening, don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. But you know, it does help when other people are making excuses for you. Like if I shank a shot and someone's like, oh, you don't do that very often. I'm like, yeah, I don't. Thank you for knowing that. That's okay. Not the other way around. You don't do that very often. No, I'm very talented. No, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's amazing. So we're going to take a little bit of a break and get right into the WGC match play. Getting ready to take on spring? 
Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com podcast. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid Mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Okay, so we had the WGC, which is one of my favorite tournaments of the year because I am pro match play. Do you like (laughs) match play or stroke play better? Actually, that's a great question. I love them both. Um, I prefer match play just because it's like I can make a triple on a hole and then make three birdies in a row and I'm back in the match or I'm, you know, going to win the match. We actually, I'll tell you a fun story. We had a match against... um, another local club we were like challenging them to get into their um pool to knock them out this was actually two years ago it was 2019 because there was no um team matches last year and I think I was like three down at one point I was pissed I was like I'm losing this lady and she was just kind of an a-hole and I just wasn't having it and then I made this crazy like sling and birdie and then I chipped in on another like I did all these crazy things and I ended up winning the match one up on 18 and she came up to me at the end and she's like congratulations, but you know, you just, it was, it was luck. And I was like, it wasn't luck. You're like a 50 year old woman. Like I, no, no, no offense, (laughs) but like, you're not going to beat me. Like, it's just, it was, it was one of those matches where I shouldn't have been down. And I just kind of like kept quiet and I kept telling myself, I'm like, no, you got this. And I came back and you know, I I ended up winning the match and we did, we ended up moving up to the um, higher cup, which was awesome. But um, yeah, match play is fun because you're never out of it. Like you're always in it. There's just, I mean, did you play a lot of match play in college? I feel like that's mostly stroke play, right? 
Pretty much all stroke play. Um, we would have one match play tournament and it was our home event, which was really fun. And I love match play because it's like that head to head competition. And I feel like I like thrive on that compared to stroke play. I just feel like it's more satisfying when you beat someone compared to like with stroke play. If you outplay someone, it's like, okay, whatever. They could beat me the next day, but it's like, yeah. okay, I did what I need to do. And so I had a bit of a controversial tweet recently. Was it the one about the major? Yes. Oh my gosh. So I said controversial. Just wait. So I said that they should have one major be match play because I love match play and I think it would kind of add something a little bit special to a major. I mean, can you imagine single elimination just as like March Madness, the super literally every playoff system we have is single elimination and you live and die over every single match that's going on. And so I was like, that would be so amazing if we did that in golf where it's like one and done, you're out, let's go. And everyone on Twitter was agreeing with me. And then everyone on Instagram was roasting me. Really? Roasting me. Shane Lowry said no. Justin Thomas said no. What? They might have been because they played not so great at the WGC match <laughs> play. But, <laughs> but they were just saying that it would kill um, TV ratings and it wouldn't be that much fun. But the PGA championship used to be match play. I was about to say, until the 1930s. Like, so just, Justin, just, Justin Thomas had won, used to be a match play event. So that is really funny that, that I think it would be interesting to have a majors match play. I think just right now with golf, like it wouldn't really be possible. Like there's just too many players like that, you yeah. know, getting to the event kind of thing. Like, you know, in the 1930s, it would not have been anything too crazy. I think now it is difficult, but I don't hate the idea. Like it's, it's a fun concept. Well, it's different, too, because everyone's like, okay, well, let's just look at the WGC match play tournament, and the final wasn't that interesting. I still thought it was exciting, but it's just the flow of it is different. The beginning of it is so exciting, and then the end of it kind of slows down a little bit compared to, you know, stroke play events. The beginning, I mean, no one cares about a Thursday round of golf. And then, I you do. know, Sunday, well, I mean, like hardcore golfer fans like us, but like most people are like, oh, whatever. But they wait till the back nine on Sunday for yeah. it to really pick up. So it's still exciting. It's just exciting in a different way. Yeah, it's funny. I actually, Thursday's probably my favorite day. I don't know why. <laughs> it's like the excitement of a new tournament and like seeing who's going to go out and be the first round leader. Like, for me, I love Thursday and Sunday are my two favorite days. Like, I don't actually, maybe Thursday and Saturday, because I feel like Saturday, something crazy always happens. Yeah. Especially with Jordan Spieth recently. Like, the month of February was like Saturdays were for Jordan. Sorry, <laughs> DJ. I know. It's, I mean, even in this tournament, too, we saw so many like upsets. And that was another one of the points people were making that the best player doesn't come out of match play. And I, I like disagree. You are playing too. well. You're going to win. And of course, maybe it doesn't always work out in your favor. But again, I think the best player that week is going to win. You look at B Billy Horschel. He has been playing really well. Yeah. He's been trending upwards for a long time. So it's not surprising that he got this win. And especially Scotty Scheffler, too. Another really good, solid young player. But he hometown for him. Like he knew yeah. that course. So of course he was going to play well there. I think the biggest surprise for me was some of the big names yeah. like Bryson. I thought Bryson was going to be a really great match play player. Was that surprising for you? No, actually I, um, I want to say who was in Bryson's cause I want to, I think I picked the person who came out of Bryson's 
thing if I can find So Tommy that. Fleetwood. Right, yes. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Tommy I had picked. I'd actually picked Tommy to make it to the quarterfinals. And I, um, my, a lot of my picks to make it out of the group stage were really good. Like Jordan Spieth, I picked out a group stage on our show, The Gimme. Um, I think I picked uh, Robbie McIntyre. I picked Victor Perez on my own to come out of group stage. And then John Rahm and Ryan Palmer went into, you know, they had the final match of that group. I'd actually picked Ryan Palmer. I was wrong on that. But I had a couple guys that I was like, oh, and then Abraham Answer lost in the playoff to Kevin yeah. Streelman. So my group picks were actually pretty good. I was surprised I, um, I did pretty good on that. But I do have to disagree. Like if the best player for that week or whoever's playing the best is going to win the match play tournament. Like that's yes. how it is. Like saying that the best player isn't going to do well or isn't going to win is kind of bullshit because do you look at tennis grand slams? Like if, if Serena Williams like is the best player and then doesn't win all these grand slams, like, no, she has all these grand slam titles, Rafa Nadal, all these grand slam titles, like Roger Federer, all these grand slam titles and they're all world number ones. So I still think that, you know, and that is kind of like match play because it's single elimination. So I don't necessarily agree that the best players aren't going to come through. It's whoever's playing the best that week. No, for sure. I mean, there are people who are just better match play players. Oh, yeah. I mean, you have like Ian Poulter who thrives in that environment. Then you have someone like Tony Finau who is, you know, Mr. Top 5, but he has a horrible match play record. Why do you think that is? I personally think it's he can't putt. I mean, he can putt. Yeah. Like, obviously, he can putt if he's on the PJ Tour. But compared to everyone else, and, and there's different people I've talked to on tour about this that are just like, look, Tony isn't going to win until he can putt. And whether it's sports psychologists, coaches, other players, caddies, whatever, that's just the sentiment. It's the putter that really keeps Tony back. And because he has everything else. I mean, how many times does he stick it to inside five feet and then he just doesn't yeah. make the putt? So that's personally what I think is holding Tony back. Would you agree or disagree? I think it's a little mental. It's hard to say because you can say that it's putting, but putting is all mental. So is it all tied into like one thing altogether or is it the fact that he's just not as good of a putter? I mean, that's also a thing too. So I mean, no one hits the ball better than Tony. I mean, he hits it so far, so consistent and that swing is repeatable. So yeah, it comes down to his putting, but is it because his mechanics aren't there? Is he struggle with green reading? What is it? Or is it because it's mental and he doesn't have that confidence in himself? And I think people always look at him, you know, coming down the stretch, not being able to close it out. But like, let's go back to Thursday, Friday and Saturday. Look at how many short putts he missed. He almost like shouldn't even be in that position. He should be leading by, you know, like 5'10 on the final round. So yeah, I mean, he definitely needs to work on his putting, but again, is it, is it mental or is it a stroke issue? I mean, it has to be mental. Cause it's like, there, there's just, there really isn't anyone out there who has a terrible putting stroke. I mean, for the most part, like, yeah, you yeah. guys like get the yips every once in a while, but his putting stroke isn't horrendous. I think he just, it is, it's, it's a mental block. There's something not going from the brain to the hands that are just making the stroke and, or I don't know, maybe he's quitting on it or he's just accelerating too much. I don't know, but it's, it's, I think it is a lot of mental. I will agree with you there because it's not mechanics. I mean, he knows how to putt. Yeah. And I always think it's interesting too, because for me, you have to be so mentally strong to be a good match play player. Mm -hmm. Like the fiery guys seem to do the best, but it doesn't seem to translate over to stroke play. And I always thought that was really interesting because you would think someone who has that like determination and that like fiery competitiveness would play well in stroke play, but it it really, it doesn't seem to translate. The guys who are not good at match play seem to always win the stroke play events. The guys who are winning (laughs) the matches are not winning the stroke play events. It's so weird. 
Yeah, I wonder if that also has to do with the fact that like every hole in a in a match, you know, this is it's its own tournament, and they only yeah. said it fifteen hundred times during the telecast <laughs> this weekend, so everyone should know that. But like, if you're a really fiery person and and like you make a double bogey or you just knock yourself out of a hole, it doesn't really matter on the next hole because you have another chance to come back. Like you have a chance to just win that hole on its own. So that double, that triple, whatever, it doesn't count. And you know, guys like Ian Poulter, I. You know, he makes a, you know, a bogey or a double. He's pissed. Like, it's kind of yeah. like, you know, and then you have to work harder just to get those strokes back. So I think in match play, it's just, you can kind of make, you can make really big mistakes that would knock you out of a tournament that aren't going to knock you out of a match. And I think that has something to do with it. I think it definitely does. Or you could make a hole in one like Sergio Garcia <laughs> to win the match. That was insane. <sighs> that was one of like the best hole in ones we've ever seen. Yeah. I, I, it was because it was funny. I was actually like doing something and I was trying to get out of my house and he, it do, he does it. And I'm just standing there in shock. Like I can't leave. I have what, what just happened? Like it was, it was one of those moments where I'm like <laughs> for a solid minute. It was amazing because I had Lee Westwood to win the whole tournament. And then Sergio took him out on the playoff hole. And I was like, Oh my God. But yeah, Sergio's another great match player. The European players, man, like they can play match play like no one's business. I wonder if they have more match play events growing up than we do. Because pretty much everything we have except for, like, USAM and, like, US girls are match play. Um, but everything else is stroke play. Yeah, that is a good question. I mean, I know they have more, like, team golf and club golf over there. The way, like, we just don't have it in the U.S. So I, maybe those matches are all stroke play. I'll have to look that – or I'll um, – Match play, I'll have to look that up. But I actually grew up playing high school matches as match play. Okay. So, like, for me, I actually got more experience on, like, a weekly basis playing match play than, than, than a stroke play. So I think that's maybe why I like the match play a little bit more um, than stroke play. But... Yeah. <laughs> no, I definitely like match play better just because if you like hit a bad shot, then it doesn't really matter. But it was funny because when I was watching the Sergio Garcia hole in one, I I told I think I told the story before, but I played this um, event out in Las Vegas where they brought all of their like high rollers out, and it was so much fun. But they would cheat on their handicap. So I was playing this guy who claimed to be like a 25, 40 handicap. It was something outrageous, but he was getting two shots on every single hole. And this guy was like fucking Tiger Woods. I swear he was like flopping it over trees to like a foot. And on one of the par threes, I don't know if you guys have ever played Shadow Creek, but number eight, it's this downhill par three, really mm-hmm. pretty hole. It's almost like a hole in one type of hole because it's mm-hmm. like the way it feeds in. But this guy, 40 handicap, hits it to a foot. A foot. And he made it. And I'm like, okay, I literally have to make a hole in one to have the hole. And there were so many times where I was in the middle of the fairway just being like, I have to make this shot to have the hole with this guy. He ended up like smoking me, smoking me. But I was just thinking about that. I was like, okay, like literally that's why I had to pull Sergio on every single hole to end up beating this guy. That's easy. What, you what, you think that's hard or something? Like, what a joke, though. Showing up with a 40 handicap and stick. He shoots 65 with a 40 handicap. Yeah, it was just a really good day. He shot like two over for nine holes. It was like nine hole matches. And I was like, you were. And Shadow Creek is hard. It's like, not those an are easy hard golf greens. course. Yeah. No, and we weren't playing even like the front tees. We were playing a little farther back. And I'm like, you are not a 40 handicap. I know that for sure. Oh my God. 
It was a, it was an interesting one, but you know what else was very interesting, and I feel like people are pretty split on this. Was the Kevin Na DJ scuffle that they had? So if you guys haven't seen it, um, DJ picked up a putt before Kevin Na could concede it. So in match play, um, you can give people gimmies, but they have to concede it first before you pick it up. So DJ kind of swiped it away. It was a one footer. It would have been conceded. It probably, it was even less than one feet. I mean, it was like, like right next to the hole. And so Kevin said, Hey DJ, just want to let you know, you can't do that. You have to wait for me to concede it first. And DJ was kind of taken aback a little bit. And I felt like he got a little frustrated in it and he didn't really even say anything back. You could just tell by his body language, but I'm with Kevin Naw on this one. I mean, it's the rules mm-hmm. of the game. And I think Kevin Naw could have been like, okay, that's a loss of hole. And he didn't do that. Yeah. He was like, okay, I s- still concede it, but you, you can't literally it's by the rules. You can't do that. So I think Kevin Naw handled it well. And I don't think DJ handled it well. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that Kevin Naw handled that situation so well. I mean, you know, he went up DJ, you know, hey buddy, like just gotta yeah. wait till I give it to you kind of thing. And it was it was kind of a funny moment, but yeah. um I yeah, I don't know. I think DJ just needs to chill, like just just wait till like, I pick up the putt a little bit. But I think Kevin Na handled it well. Granted, it might have been a different situation if that was the final match to win the group stage. Now, they were both out of it. I think Robbie McIntyre ended up winning that group uh, stage. So it was a different match. Like, who knows if it would have been different if they were really fighting for it. Like, I'm sure Kevin would have been like, yeah, dude, that's lost a hole. And it could have turned into a whole thing. But because they were out of it, their match didn't matter. I mean, it kind of mattered for FedEx Cup points, but those two are fine. Um, it, it, I think it was an amicable situation. And it was resolved well because it wasn't like a lot riding on it. Like I, I do yeah. wonder if it was a tight match for the group stage or for like a six, final, you know, a round of sixteen, if it would have been handled the same way. Well, we actually have seen this before with Kucher and yeah. Sergio, where Sergio, you know, pulled it away before Kucher said it was good, and Kucher did not handle it the same yeah. way that Kevin not handled it, and because it was, you know kind of coming down the stretch for them and he needed to win the hole. And so Kevin or um, Matt Kuchar ended up winning the hole because he said, I didn't give that to you. And Sergio threw a hissy fit yeah. about it. So yeah, I think it would have been probably handled differently. I don't think Kevin Na would have given him the putt if mm. it mattered, actually mattered. I wouldn't, would you? No, no. and, it, and no. that's part of <laughs> gamesmanship. I mean, you look back at the Solheim Cup, I forget what year it was, but, you know, I remember Annika was there and, you know, they chipped up and then they were like, hey, actually, can you replay that chip you might have played yes. out, of, or out of turn? And it's like, it's one of those things, it's gamesmanship. It kind of sucks. It's like when golf gets dirty in a way that you kind of, you know, golf's just a gentlemanly sport, a ladylike sport and everyone's so nice and congenial. And then you're like, actually replay that shot. No, I'm not giving you that putt. So it is, it's, it's kind of awkward. Like it's really uncomfortable to be in those situations on the golf course. Cause you're just like, oh, I just want this. To I end. love it though. I love it because Ooh. like literally every other sport you see that you see people just try and get like those little advantages Ooh. or anything. And then in yeah. golf, like you were saying, it's like, how dare you even like say that to me like I'm so offended <laughs> but I'm like you didn't play by the rules like that's yeah. what it is and like I feel like we need more of like that competitiveness and that's why I like match play because you get more of those moments and stroke play mm-hmm. it doesn't really seem to happen that much but I wish we had more of that I think people would be more interested in watching golf if they knew there were going to be like a little more drama or you know like kind of that head-to-head yeah I think 
Yeah, I think it would be fun. Like, bring another match play event and have this one be single elimination. Don't do that stupid round robin shit. I mean, Billy Marshall won this week after having lost his second match. Like, you know, it's great. Like, round robin, yeah, you're still in it even if you lose one match. But at the same time, like, you know, in 2013, he would have been out in the second round because he lost his second match. So I'm thinking of the format and, like, who would have been out right away. I feel almost like single elimination, you get the better players coming out on top. And I feel like the round robin was just kind of, I, I'm not a fan of it at all. I'm not, I, I'm not either because you have them in the A, B, C, D, D ranges. And just yeah. depending on where people are in the world ranking, like Jordan Spieth was the D player in his group, but on the odds board, he was like the A player, you know, I think he was like plus 190 to advance out of the group, but he was still the D player in the group. So it's like, it, you have four really, really good players that are all playing against each other. And I don't know. I just, I think it takes away from what could be in the tournament. Like when you have those groups where it's like Lee Westwood and Sergio and Matt Wallace and whoever else was in that group, those are really good, like later round matchups. Like I want to see that later. Those are all guys that I think could make it through other stages or other, um, other matches. So it does take away from that. But at the same time, it does give us that hole in one excitement with Sergio over Lee Westwood coming out of the group stage. But I think it kind of, it also does kind of dwindle in the excitement after, you know, three fourths of the field is gone. Yeah. Were you underwhelmed by the Horschel, um, Scotty Scheffler matchup at all at the end? Cause I know a lot of people were not a fan of yesterday and it was a bit boring for them. I love Billy Horschel and I love his like energy. And I think he just like, he just, I don't know, has something. He has like a little bit of like an edge to him, which I like. I also, Scotty Scheffler was a pick of uh, one of my friends, so I was rooting for him. But I I thought it was interesting. I don't know why everyone was so underwhelmed by Sunday's round. So I personally was bored on Sunday because I <laughs> had been watching golf from like 8 a.m. on yes. Wednesday. And I'm sure you were in the same boat. So for yeah. me, like the week of the players too, once Sunday came around, I just kind of wanted it to be over because it's like I've just been watching 12 hours of wall-to-wall golf coverage for so long that it doesn't, it kind of takes a lot out of you when you're working and trying to find the content from the week and stuff. It just, it does take a lot out of you. (laughs) I thought it was a good match. I did turn it off around like 637. I was kind of like, eh, I think, you know, Billy's going to win. I'm kind of done and want to go watch some more Survivor reruns, but um, yeah, I just, I, I tend to like, I'm burnt out around Sunday. Like if it's been a really like hectic week, Sunday, I'm done. Like if it's a major week Sunday, there's still the excitement, but other weeks when you're just watching off nonstop Sundays, it's kind of like, okay, it's almost over. But that was just that that's personally why I got kind of burnt out. But I think it's a format problem. Again, I think it should only be one match on Sunday yeah. and maybe they do 36 one of the other days, but I think some single elimination would probably fix that. But all in all, I think the WGC match play was a success. Um, we got some good moments out of it. It was a lot of fun. We have the Valero Texas open coming up and this is a big week for a lot of guys, especially Ricky Fowler, who is trying to play his way into the masters. And I don't think he's going to do it. I don't think he's going to do it. It breaks my heart because I um <laughs> I know his cat. I love Joe. Like Joe is one of my favorite people in the game of yeah. golf. And like 
I go out of my way to not knock Ricky because I just, I have a lot of respect for him as a person. I think he's great. Like I feel so bad that his game's just not in the best place right now. And I really want to see him play well, but it is really hard for me to be like, yeah, let's bet Ricky this week and stuff. (laughs) Like I will never tell you not to bet Ricky, but I will tell you when to bet Ricky, if that makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) Do you think it is better to play a week before a major or skip it. Cause I see so many mm-hmm. different, you know, pros and cons each. Most people like to get that experience right before get comfortable with it. Most people like to take a week off, kind of rest, recuperate, get ready for the masters. I, I mean, I personally, when I was playing competitively, I like to play a lot going into a big event. I always felt like if I took time off before it felt really weird and almost like made the event feel bigger for mm-hmm. me compared to like, Oh, this is another week. Yeah. What do you think these guys should do? You know, when you say like, should they take a week off or should they play? My answer is just yes, because it really depends on who it is. You know, yeah. you see guys like Phil Mickelson that have had success at the Valero have gone on to win. Was it thrice, three times at, or is it four at, at Augusta? I don't know. He's won a lot there, but so I think there are certain guys that you're like, yeah, this is really great. Go on, get ready, go and play. So someone like Phil Mickelson, I think it is good because, you know, he's older. He needs to kind of get those reps in and whatever. But guys like Justin Thomas, I wouldn't necessarily say, yeah, go play this week because Justin Thomas is not a guy that plays a full schedule. He doesn't, you know, play every single week. And I think for him taking time off around the majors helps him just get ready. I mean, you look at the the workout routines and everything that's going on with these players these days, like it's got to be a lot week in and week out. So I think for some of the bigger players, it might benefit them to just go home, be with their teams and yeah. figure everything out on their own and then go to, to go to Augusta. But there are going to be other guys where I'm like, Hey, you should definitely go warm up like just, or, you know, Jordan Spieth is in the field this week. Awesome. Like he needs a good warm up for the masters. He's been playing great. This is a time of year where he plays really well. So yeah, that warm up for, or for Jordan, I agree with DJ. I am really surprised he's playing this week. That yeah. kind of like, I feel like he usually takes time off around majors. I mean, he is kind of prone to injury or being push downstairs. <laughs> so, you know, you'd think he would kind of take a little precaution, but, um, I, you know, I really can't answer the question because some guys, yes, I think it does benefit them to, like you said, just go out. It's just another week, the yeah. you know, just whatever. But then there's other guys that need to go back, you know, get their rest in, get their rehab in, work with their teams and figure out what's best for them going into the week. But what do you, what do you personally think? Again, I I think you put it perfectly where it depends on the person. I think everyone has a certain way that they like to prep and whatever works for them. But for me playing, I, again, this is why I probably didn't make some such a mental fucking case, but (laughs) I wouldn't want to go and play a tournament and win the tournament because I feel like my chances of winning the next one wouldn't be as good. Like winning back to back. Like I feel almost like if you win before the Masters, it's like, well, there you go. You're not going to win the Masters then. And it's like, so these guys like a DJ who is going to be one of the favorites at the Valero, is he going in being like, okay, I want to win and then win next week? Or is he like, I can't win. And so I'm going to like work on certain things. But like to me, I I would not go in with the mindset of like, I want to win this tournament because I won't win the masters then. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And just like with the par three contest, it's like everyone gets to nine and just kind of <laughs> shakes a few. It's like grabs a baby from the gallery here, child, like hit a ball for me. <laughs> so yeah, I, I am very much into the superstitions when it comes to golf. So I'm, I'm in the same camp as you. Like if I had a putt to win 
and I were DJ on Sunday, I'd be like, oh, oopsie, <laughs> sorry. There. Oh, if that wasn't good, this isn't match play. Okay, two stroke penalty, let's go. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Seriously though, like it's a big thing. Like I, and especially with golf too, I don't know how superstitious most of these guys are, but I feel like some of them like probably like do the, yeah, a lot of them are like do the same routine every single time. And it's like, why would you even play that? But then it's things like, did you, why would you even go play if you're not going to go and play to win? Right. <laughs> So yeah, it's like this really weird thing. <laughs> I know it is. It is. It's like one of those things where okay, like Doug Gims in the field this week. He's a guy that I'm looking at. He's like a hundred to one to win, and like he's like a good top twenty, top ten pick this week. And he's someone that I think would benefit a lot from going out and winning this week because I don't know if it would get him in the Masters. Like I don't know how the Masters invites worked this year, but like if he goes out and wins, I mean that that's huge for him the week before the Masters kind of thing. But then yeah, you see DJ and you're like. Eh, let's not fall down anything. Let's, you know, just not try to miss any putts on Sunday, but let's also uh, proceed with caution. I'm sure you do. Cause obviously we have to for our jobs, but when it <laughs> is like a more of like a boring week, like I am not excited about the Valero because I'm like looking at the masters. Like that is where my mind has been all the time. Are you like that too? Where you're like, I'll watch it. Cause I have to watch it, but I'm not that interested in it. No. Cause I'm such a golf nerd. <laughs> like I watch pretty much every round from every tour that I can. And yeah. like, I mean, I get excited. Like I got excited watching the Kenya open for God's sake last <laughs> week on the European tour. So like you're at the wrong person, but no, I am excited for the Valero. I just, I just get excited whenever there's like a new, like an opportunity for like some kind of crazy storyline or a new winner. Like Joel Damon winning this week was like, oh, I love that. I know. Like I was so happy That was for such him. a great story. And like, to me, like that was almost a more, like that was a more interesting Sunday finish than the match play. And like, I hate to say it, but like, I enjoyed watching the final round of, of Corrales a little bit more than the, the WGC. Cause there was, there was a lot more riding on it and you know, like what's at stake and um, I don't know. It's just a really cool movement, but no, I, I do get excited about Valero because there is always that chance for like someone to get their first win or someone to just secure status. Again. Yeah. Like, these are the weeks that you get those good stories, like the alternate tour week or the alternate event weeks and weeks like before majors or after majors is when you get like, so-and-so has, you know, been a grinder for years and he finally got his first win or he got his first win in seven years. Like that kind of stuff is, I, I love those stories. Like I love watching for that. I And I agree with that. There's just something about like the Valero that just doesn't do it for me. Yeah. But, like I love just, the first time winner <laughs> stories. I mean, seeing Joel Damon win with his wife and his caddy, they're like, Honestly, follow Miss Caddy and Joel Damon on Twitter. They are the two funniest guys you will ever follow. Um, but it's Gina's just so amazing. great to like see them finally get it done. And I yeah. think you can look at even like the Corn Ferry events where it's like those are some of the most exciting events because it's like they need to win. It's their livelihood. It's almost like when you see these guys playing for millions of dollars, it's like they it don't really care. But then. You. It, yeah. And then you see the guys where it like means so much to them and it like puts it back in perspective. So I agree. That's always fun. But hopefully the Valero will be exciting. So I'm not like, <laughs> I'm not excited about it. I'm just like, my mind's on the Masters. I'm you. so excited for the Masters. It's going to feel yeah. like back to normal again, being, you know, back in April compared to October. It's nice that we've only had like six months wait. But I, I just, that's the only thing that I'm thinking of right now. And I can't even like process the Valero. I know. I don't blame you though. I, God, I do love the Masters. I think I'm not as like buzzing for the masters this year just because we just had it and that's not taking yeah. anything away from my love for the masters like in high school i would 
have like my laptop and my iPad set up with like the live master <laughs> streaming stuff. And the teachers were just kind of like, all right, this is just let her have her week. Like, you know, don't say anything. Just let her sit in her corner and watch her golf. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see the azaleas in bloom and hopefully they'll do the part three contest this year. And actually I don't, too much. And I'm excited to watch the ANWA, the women's um, event at Augusta. Like that was such an exciting finish two years ago with Jennifer Cubcho. Like I'm really excited yes. to see what happens this year. Yeah, that's always a great one. So we'll check that out. Okay. So since this is also a sports podcast, we are going to talk a little bit about March Madness. Amanda, my racket <laughs> is a dumpster fire. Like it is yeah. completely shot and there's no hope for it at all anymore. So it's not that I've lost a little interest in March Madness. It's still so much fun to watch, but it just I'm not as excited as I was in the very beginning. Did you fill your bracket out? How how is it how's it doing? I um I didn't do a bracket this year. We were going crazy doing some um, video stuff leading up to it. So I actually didn't have a chance to do a bracket, but like that, this is another example of when Thursday is like my favorite day of a tournament yeah. because it's so fun the first day <laughs> and like you get all these upsets and everything. But yeah, this tournament has been crazy. I mean, Oral Roberts making it through the first round since I think it was like 1973 or 74. Like the last time they made it past the first round was when there was only 25 teams total in the whole tournament. Like, that's how crazy it was. They went on to beat Florida. I mean, I'm still devastated. I don't know if I will ever get over an oral team, you know, beating us. But <laughs> it has been a crazy March Madness. Like, I'm it, – it's a lot of Pac-12 teams, but I'm curious to see, like, what happens. Well, and Oral Roberts should have won the Arkansas game, too. I mean, that's really close, 72-70. And I thought they were going to have it. They should have won. And, I mean, what a story that would have been if Oral Roberts would have won the NCAA championship. Like, that's insane to think about. It, it really would be like those prayer hands might be like, like, I just want to see all the students like on the prayer hands. Like, you know, people climb like poles and stuff like after Super Bowl wins, like they just climb the prayer hands on campus. Like that would have been crazy, but I'm, I'm just glad they're done. Like I, I can't get over them beating Florida. Like they were, uh, it's very upsetting. We did a <laughs> live stream with points bet for the Michigan versus Florida state game. And Michigan ended up winning 76 to 58. We seem to keep picking these like blowouts of games. We did the Syracuse versus SDSU <laughs> game. And then we did the, the Michigan versus Florida State game. But I made a drink and I got to tell everyone about my bartending moment because Ooh. I tried to pick a signature drink for either like Michigan or Florida. Florida, they said the signature drink was a mimosa. So I was like, everyone knows how to make a mimosa. Is that true? Interesting. I mean, would you agree with that? Like the state of Florida or Florida State, like the school? Like the, the state of Florida. Oh, yeah. Mimosa, probably. They got a lot of oranges there. <laughs> actually, no. Now I think about it. Mimosa probably is. Yeah. And everyone knows how to make a mimosa. So Sounds then I did Michigan and the signature drink there is a Hummer. Have you ever had a Hummer Ooh, before? No. Tell me what it is. That sounds amazing. It's one shot of Kahlua, one shot Ooh. of white rum, two scoops of ice cream, <gasps> ice blended up. Oh, my God. So it's like diabetes in a cup. 
basically. And oh, I just injected it into blend me. it. Yeah. Like you have to blend it. That's one of the things that I didn't do. I was like, I'm going to live sleep. I don't want to like bl- do use a blender. So I just like mixed it up with a spoon and I like cooked. Ice cream. I took, I took a sip and all like the ice cream sat to the bottom and all of the rum was like right at the top. We used Bacardi and I took like a swig on this live and my face my face. Like I just had like an instant flashback to like college and I, I couldn't handle it. Like I could, it was like a literal like straight shot of Bacardi and it was the most nasty thing. I just made you this face. And it's, gonna, it's gonna like live on forever on the internet. Me making this face after I took that sip, but like a shot of like Bacardi, like a shot of rum, I think might have to be the worst shot of all time. Like what's the one shot for you that just like you cannot do? Probably like whiskey because I can do straight pulls of vodka. Like I can knock back <laughs> vodka shots like no one's business, but I can't do whiskey. Like I just, I think it's because it's like, it, it almost like tastes like water and then you taste the rest of it in like the back of your mouth and you're like, this isn't water. It's burning and I'm going to die. I feel like the only shot I can still successfully do is a fireball shot or like oh. really, really good tequila. But yes. vodka for me ruined like absolutely ruined ruined for me yes I cannot do any more vodka shots like if I smell vodka I instantly just gag see I love vodka my favorite drink is um I always do vodka which is regular water and a little bit of lime juice and um everyone's always like that's an alcoholic drink like you drink an alcoholic drink and or like you know for that alcoholics drink and I'm like well I just drink it because I get like I don't drink a lot so I, as long as I'm getting my water in at the same time as something else then I don't have to work as hard like you know it's not because I'm like knocking back 15 of these an hour it's just because I'm lazy and don't want to have a you know water in one hand and alcohol in another I will if I I don't drink much now but when I do I'll like go up to the bartender and be like make me something that doesn't taste like alcohol like <laughs> something I that's really sweet Something that's really sweet, yeah. which is worse because I'll get, I'll have like one mixed drink and it doesn't even taste like anything. And then by that time I'm already like hammered and then I'm like, let's drink everything. And then that <laughs> is how I black out. And that is not good. Do not do what I do. <laughs> like do what Amanda does because I have never started a night out with asking a bartender, make me something fruity. And it ended up well. It has always ended up like in a bush or like on the floor or like in, in me not remembering anything so never do the fruity drinks never do it (laughs) all right i'm coming to arizona soon and we're gonna go get some fruity drinks that's like the worst thing ever for me anything (laughs) fruity ends up like horrible but the ice cream drink was not bad so if you guys ever want a hummer i can make them for you correctly correctly i will blend it i swear i will blend it um but yeah that that was like the highlight of watching the michigan first florida state game because literally nothing happened in that game i know I will say, though, the um, UCLA-Alabama game was pretty good. I mean, it came down to Alabama making that three-pointer with, what, like a second left. That was exciting. I'm not the biggest Alabama fan, and I was even, like, pretty jacked up when they made that shot. You were going, like, four roll-tide roll, like, full RTR. I actually – so there was a girl I graduated high school with, and she went to Alabama, and I went to Florida – and I didn't know that RTR meant roll tide roll for like the first two years of college. And whenever she'd like Snapchat stuff, it'd be RTR. So I'm like, Vic, are you saying ready to rage? Like what does RTR stand for? Cause I tweet, I like Snapchat something with RTR. 
car at Florida. <laughs> and everyone was like, you're so stupid. And they're like, it means roll tide roll. And I was like, yeah. Okay, so not ready to rage? No, that's not a thing. That's not a thing. Great. I think that's why I don't like Alabama fans is because it's like roll tide every two seconds. I'm like, if I swear, you say roll tide one more time, I'm going to punch you in your face. Like, I cannot, I don't mind Alabama. It's the roll tide that just bothers me. It's like a, a part of like their everyday sentence. Like, I'm going to do laundry roll tide. I'm going to go. It's like, they have to end the sentence with like a roll tide. That's their, that's their period. I, we had um, a bunch of Italian exchange students one time when I was in, in um, high school and they said to us, we're like, no, we use the word merda, which means shit. They're like, no, we use that like the comma. So like the, the, Alabama uses roll tide like a freaking comma, just yes, like the Italians use do. merda like the comma. I I can't, I can't handle it. Like that is like, and I don't like how they're so, now they're going to be like a powerhouse in football and also in basketball. I don't, I don't like that. I'm not ready. You're good at one and not the other, but I can't handle being like successful at both of them. Do you think Justin Thomas's head size can handle that? <laughs> like that, that's just what can I expand anymore before it just completely explodes. <laughs> well, also guys, we got to get into baseball. Dead silent crickets. No one's one's excited for opening day of baseball, but I've been trying to get into baseball for a while now. I would say um, last season was the first season that I successfully watched from start to Mm. uh, the end, and it was already long for me, and it was a condensed season. I was about to say, wasn't it like a mini season? (laughs) It was like a month, and I was like, this is exhausting. I cannot (laughs) do this anymore. I can't handle this, Uh, but this will be my first season that I'm going to try to get through from start to finish. Are you a big baseball fan? Do you care for it? <laughs> I'm not. I used to date um, a baseball player and he like cheated on me a bunch. So I'm not like a huge <laughs> fan of uh, watching baseball just because I'm like, oh, the memories. But baseball is interesting. Like college baseball players are really hot. Like, I don't know what happens when they reach the pros. It's like they get guts and bad beards. But like in college, baseball players are hot. Okay, so favorite athlete that you have dated from a sport. So is it basketball, hockey, football, golf, mm. or baseball? Because I and and it could be in college, it could be before in the high school, or it could be pros. Because I am very anti golf professionals. Like I have a strong. I like. I think that golf pros are the worst people to date out of all of the sports. They are by far the worst. By far the worst. Yeah, they are pretty bad. I, <laughs> I, I try to have a rule of not dating golfers. Like, I don't care what tour you're on. Like, at one point I was like, well, if it's this tour, it actually might not be so bad. It was worse, damn it. I so, know. He was even worse. So, no, I'm just, I don't, I do try to stay away from the golfers. Uh, baseball players are just, yeah, I didn't have great experience with baseball players. I would say golfers and baseball players, tennis players, I've dated a few of them. They have great asses, but they're a little nutty like golfers. Yeah, I think the reason I like uh, hockey players are my favorite. I would say I don't like, know they're, <laughs> they're the most fun and they're also like upfront about being douchebags. And so that's the best part. I think what I have a problem with like the baseball players and the golfers that like they pretend to be like these good old Christian boys and then they're doing the same things that the other athletes are doing. And I'm like, you, you can't say that and pretend to be this person and especially like publicly be this person. And then behind the scenes, like you are worse than like all of the other athletes out there. I'm like, you can't. 
you can't do that. And so I, that's my problem with like professional golfers. I just feel like they have this like complex of being like gods and they think that, and it might be like the fact that they grew up in like country clubs and they've always had people like cater to them, yeah. do everything for them. And I feel like with other athletes, like they've had to work so hard. And even though they still kind of have that complex, they still like, they know where they came from, but with golfers, it's like everything has always kind of been given to them. I just feel like athletes in general are just, it's kind of like, I'm just kind of over it. It's like, I don't know. I just feel like it's just patterns with all of them. And then, like, I get it. Like, athletes need to be very, like, narcissistic. You need to be very egotistical to, like, be the best yeah, at your sport. You do. But it, you don't have to be mean to me or cheat on me. That's all I'm saying. Like, that's, <laughs> I'm like, that's all I ask. I was like, I don't really care what you do. Just don't cheat on me. Like, <laughs> And they're like, you know, that is too much for me. Yeah, I, you're I asking a lot. do that. <laughs> it's like, it's like I'm asking for a fucking kidney. Like, no. <laughs> but I do, I do like watching baseball and I think going to baseball games is so much fun. So I'm excited. Those for, are fun games. They are fun. I think going to baseball games is like, it's a really great first date too. And yeah. I think it's like one of the more fun sporting events to go to because you literally just like kick back. It's so relaxing and just like chill throughout it, which I love, but I'm excited for opening day. Is there a certain team that you tend to root for? Um, I mean, I'm a Philly girl, so I like the Phillies because I have to, but, um, I actually, I've, I used to go to Marlins games, like in the summer when I would live oh, in South Florida. So I do kind of have like a special place in my heart for the Marlins at the so stadium. So just you when they and no one else in that stadium? Dish. Pretty much. Cause I worked for like a radio station and I would always get tickets. So I'd bring my friends and we'd start out at like whatever part and then buy like bottom of the first we'd be right behind the base yep. like the home base so it just it was our home plate like it was fun we would just sit wherever the hell we wanted <laughs> I'm still undecided on which team I'm going to root for but points bet has some really great offers for the Tigers and the Red Sox so you guys definitely want to go check that out so for the Tigers mm. you can double your money with the Tigers spread boosted to plus 84 for their opening day games against the Cleveland Indians and then for the White Sox, you can double your money when the White Sox score one plus run for their opening day game against the LA Angels. So pretty good promos and definitely want to go check that out. So it's over at Points Bet. Don't forget to um, go do that. I mean, who doesn't love free money and more money? I like free money. <laughs> I mean, I pulled some silly questions for us. And these are questions that people actually have asked. I did not make these up. <laughs> So this was one of my favorites, and I think we can get pretty – I'm actually interested to see what you're going to say for this one. So which Disney princess do you identify with and why? <laughs> you know, I'm not a big Disney person now. Growing up as a kid, I had all, of, like, the VHSs, you know, in the late 90s, early 2000s. And I think I liked Ariel the best because um, – I don't know. She got the guy at the end and she didn't have to work that hard for it. Actually, no, she didn't have to work really hard because she, she lost, lost her, voice. her voice. Like she can not even. <laughs> Actually, I take it back. I'm Pocahontas because I like the animals. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's always like <sighs> a connection with animals, which I relate to. Um, Let me see. Hmm. I would probably say Ariel because everyone's always like just shut up and, you know, sit there and be pretty. And so Ariel got the guy by just not saying anything. So maybe know, that's what try we that. need to, yeah, we, maybe we should try that, you know, just not talk anymore. Maybe that would be good for us. <laughs> <laughs> if you could play one men's event, non-major, what would it be and why? That's a really good question. 
Because I feel like everyone's definitely going to say for a major, the masters, especially as like a woman, because like we're probably never going to get on there. So (laughs) that would be one for sure. But non-major, that makes it really, really difficult. I would probably say uh, for me, it would be Riviera. I would love to play the Genesis. I mean, especially after seeing Max win. And that was like the one tournament he's always wanted to win. You get to meet Tiger. I just feel like playing that course, so much history. I love that course. That would be one that I would want to play in and definitely would want to win. You know, I'm going to think kind of along the same lines. I would say maybe Pebble without the amateurs. Just because you get to play such a good lineup of courses, and but like five rounds is a lot. So if I could just like get it to four rounds, I'd be I'd be happy. Oh, I forgot about Pebble. That would definitely be a really fun one. But the amateurs, though, I don't know about that. We have to. I have to do pro ams all the time, so I would want to play an event where I like would not have to play with other amateurs. Okay. Um, how do you get over a breakup with an ex you still have feelings for? <laughs> Well, you drink heavily. Um, <laughs> you send scathing text messages occasionally when you're halfway across the world. And you uh, act like you just don't care. That's my best advice. How many restraining words do you have with that? <laughs> I have zero, surprisingly. It always makes me crazy because I like surprised when I hear girls getting restraining orders against them because I have done some really crazy things that actually happens. And yes. And like, I've had friends that like have had restraining orders against them. And I'm like, what are you doing? Because like, I have like, I have done some pretty crazy stuff and I've never had one. So I'm like, you must be really crossing that line. But how to get over an ex. Oh yeah. I mean, you definitely have to send the rage text. I mean, I have definitely done that. And it's just like five, six, seven of them. Oh Yeah. Talking about how you've like hurt me and I hate you, and then yeah. I always do. Then the text the next day, being like, "I'm sorry, I didn't mean it." Yeah. <laughs> or my thing is, it's like if I'm kind of like a little drunk or something, and I send the rage text, and then I delete the message so I forget I did it, and then you see that person like a few months later, and they're like, "Hey, you psycho!" And you're like, <laughs> "What did I do? I don't remember that." <laughs> but yeah, I I think the rage text is the worst I've ever done. I'm. I would consider myself, like, I'm crazy just because I have a lot of energy, but, like, I'm not a mean, vengeful, like, I will ruin your life and break down your door kind of crazy. I'm no. not fun crazy. <laughs> yeah, I just do the, I just do the rage text. That yeah. is definitely, like, my MO. And I, that's something I, should, I like, do need to work on because <laughs> I, I don't feel good when I'm doing it. So maybe, like, for the break of advice, we're giving you the opposite of, yeah. like, what we're actually doing. And the healthy way to cope with it would be to, like, not look at their social media, not think of them, get new activities, like try to keep yourself busy. I think it's Mm -hmm. so hard now in like this social media world to have a breakup because before if you broke up with someone, it's like, okay, I'll write you a letter. Like that's the only way you can like keep in contact with someone. But now it's like, you can see their entire life, like who they're talking to, who they're following, where they are. What they're liking in real time. It's like, yeah. And like, that's so hard to like disconnect from that. And I feel like that's what you need to do. You really just like need to disconnect from social media. And that's like the most toxic thing you could possibly do is like to look at them and stalk them and like keep tabs on them. And it's like, keep yourself busy. And like, I think I have been the most productive after a breakup. Like that's when I've like 
thrive the most in my life. It's because you get, you know, you want to work out and you're trying to do different things. You're trying to keep yourself motivated. So like, think about it in a positive way. It's like, okay, Mm -hmm. now I'm going to have like my glow up and I'm going to be healthy and I'm going to do all these things I wanted to do. And that relationship was keeping me down instead of thinking like, oh, I miss them. And I still want to be with them because that's what really, that's, that, that's what sucks. Okay. Compare and contrast IG versus Twitter DMs. Are they different for you or is it just like across the board? So Twitter, I actually don't get random DMs. Like I have managed to somehow close those off. Instagram, I thought I had DMs closed. I don't. Um, I do get some weird ones. Like I get a lot of sugar daddy stuff or um, recently there's like a very famous player whose brother has recently been like super into me and it's fine. Like I'm sure he's a really nice guy, but I'm just like, what sport? Golf, golf, golf. I'll tell you after, but it's just like chill. Like, no, I'm good. But like, I, I don't know. I don't, I haven't really gotten anything too weird. Actually. No, I did. I got a guy that one time, like set me $50 on he wanted to send me $50 on Venmo to talk to me about relationship issues. And I'm like, that's weird. No. Um, and then he's like, well, you know, my penis is just too big. Like my girlfriend can't handle it. I just need to talk about it. And I'm like, okay, block. Because I don't, what I don't want to make this. What but a line. It would have been nice to get that 50 bucks. That's insane. I would say that my Twitter DMs are much nicer than my Instagram DMs. Really? I feel like, yeah, everyone's like really Aww. nice on Twitter. And I feel like when people follow me there, they're following me for more of like my opinions compared yeah. to, cause there's no pictures and everything. But on Instagram, I feel like when I do have an opinion, then that's when it goes like crazy, especially like, so I'm like, the opposite. Really? That's, yeah. that's bizarre. It's like when I so like, for example, on Instagram, when I was reposted on all of the golf meme pages about my tweet for the majors, all of the comments were like, go die, like you stupid slut, like all of this stuff. It was really, really bizarre. But then that same take on Twitter, it was all positive. So I tend That's to crazy. see that Instagram for me tends to be a little bit more negative than on Twitter, which is more positive. But for everyone, it's the opposite. I feel like Twitter is where it like really gets down and dirty for a lot of people. Yeah. I think it's, it's like, for me, I don't, I personally don't like Instagram. Like I'm very insecure. Like I don't really like to take pictures of myself. Like for me, I just like, I, if I find it upset, like I just can't really deal with it emotionally all the time. So I'm not big on Instagram. So like, I don't work that hard with my Instagram and I think people just know I don't really care. So they're like, yeah, we're nice to her. You know, we don't have to like compete (laughs) with her for stuff. Not that you would, but like on Twitter, people are like, so like people can be really, really, really nasty on Twitter, but I mean, they can be really nasty everywhere. I I, like social media stuff. Like it's great. Like I, it, it helped me build up my resume. Like social media is what helped me get the job I have now because I was able to put out my own content. But at the same time, it's like, you know, social media can just be really toxic. Like it's, it's tough. It's, 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 it's tough. Do you think that it's harder for women like us because we are definitely more outspoken on Twitter? I mean, I see that you're always, you know, like, not pushing the envelope, but you are. I mean, you're giving your opinion oh, and you're like trying yeah. to get a reaction. And I do the exact same thing. And I feel like that's what brings out like the most hate. I feel if we were just like, I love golf and that was a tweet, then it would be totally fine. But yeah. it's like when you actually almost like 
if you tweet like a man, that's when guys start to get like really like weirded out by it. If you like give your opinions yeah. and say certain things. And I'm like, why am I getting hate when I see, you know, another guy who is pretty popular in golf say the exact same thing and everyone's defending him? It's the weirdest thing. You know, it, that is an interesting point. I think actually for me, being a woman has been kind of like a catch 22, like in golf. Like there's so many people that are like so supportive of me and, I'm just like, you know what I mean? Like you and I are both very, like we're different from each other and we're different from other people. Like we're just, we have unique personalities and I think people like appreciate that, but then there's always going to be people that hate you for that. Like, (laughs) and, and I noticed that like most of the hate that I get on Twitter now is all like DFS hate. And it's like, I, I think it's that they don't like that I'm a woman in, in the golf betting space and that's fine, but shut the fuck up and don't take it out on me. Like, you're just going to get yourself blocked. Like you can say I'm terrible at my job, but you go back and look at my stats. I pick a lot of good people. I know what I'm talking about. So you can be mean all you want, but just because I have a vagina doesn't mean that I don't have any right to talk about sports betting and lineups and whatever. Like I see the, the more sexism is in that DFS, like kind of the sports betting. Cause there aren't as many women in there. Like there's yeah. not, not even comparable. Like there's more women in golf than there are in betting, you know, and there's not that many women in golf. So it it's just tough. It's like, you have to, I don't know. I, I, I don't, anything I've been through, I can't even compare it to what you've been through. I mean, you've been doing this for so long and you are so, I mean, you're out, like people see you every single day. Like you're the biggest name in golf. So you probably get so much more hate than anyone else. And like, that breaks my heart because I know you and you're one of my favorite people. Someone said this once where it's like, if I'm drowning in 60 feet of water and you're drowning in 30 feet of water, we're both still drowning. Like it doesn't matter That is true. where it's like, if I get more of it, I think one comment yeah. can be way more hurtful than, you know, like 50 comments too. And so like yeah. anytime someone's getting hate, I think it's harder. And I almost think it's harder when it is just like one comment because it sticks out so much. And me, I'm so desensitized to it where like, I don't really mind now. And like, it's funny because I haven't really felt too much of the hate in the the sports betting world yet. For me, it was golf. Like golf has always been like the one for me that's been like the most difficult. I feel like it's nice to actually like talk about other sports and like spread your wings a little bit more. But I I mean, you're always going to get it regardless. And I almost feel like it's good if like we're getting hate, that means we're saying something that, you know, is kind of like pushing their buttons or like we're doing what we need to be doing. And so like I thrive on that now. And I think you need to like always think of that too. It's like if you're doing, if people are jealous of you, that's when they're going to hate on you. If you're not getting any hate, then people don't care and you're irrelevant. So like hate is actually a good thing in what we do, which is so hard to like wrap your head around. (laughs) Yeah, it is funny. Like I've noticed that I'm like, I would say the last like three, four months, I've gotten more hate than I ever got the first like two years combined. And it's like a lot of the comments I look at and I just, I'm like, whatever, that's annoying. But there's every once in a while, someone will just say something and it just, it gets you in your core. Like someone says something about you as a person or like you and your mental state or something. And it just, it like, it, it gets you to your core because it, it resonates with the insecurities that I had growing up or whatever. And like, that's what shuts me down. It's like a lot of like, you can tell me I'm a fat, dumb bitch and you hate me. And I just be like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but like, if you say something like you're just not a nice person or like you're a crazy, you're, 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 you're crazy. Like that shit pisses me off. Cause like being told I was crazy growing up because I'm like this loud, outspoken, whatever. Yeah. And it's like, I wasn't, I just 
had no idea how to be a normal kid like everyone else. Like I just didn't know how to communicate the same way everyone else did. Like I've always kind of been loud and whatever. So it's like, there's just certain things that like will cut me to my core. There's certain triggers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like for me, it's like when people say that I'm not intelligent and then that I'm a bad golfer. Like when people tell me I'm a bad golfer. Those are both wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. But everyone knows. But like like that is just one thing that it's just – yeah. You have okay cuz I shot Edie once in a professional event. Like you know how many professional know. golfers have shot Edie in professional events? Like it happens, but that's when you just need to like ignore them and like don't mm-hmm. show any weakness because that's when they will keep saying it. So guys, remember um. always be nice to each other on social media. <laughs> you never know what so- someone's going through. So okay. <laughs> you are stuck on a desert island and you can only bring 3 things. What are you bringing? Well, one of my things would be illegal. The other would be inappropriate. And then the last would probably be more of the illegal thing. So I'm not going to answer this question. Um, Best answer uh, ever. (laughs) But I would love to hear yours. I would probably just bring my phone because I could still survive. I mean, I can make a living off of just bikini pictures on a desert island, right? So then I don't need a bikini. And then coconuts. Yes. I mean, you're right. I don't even need a bikini. I just won't waste that. Uh, I bring my dog because I need some entertainment. I love my dog and I can't live without my dog. And then the last thing would probably be... um, Oh my God, all I need is my phone and my dog. That's all I need in life. (laughs) That's perfect. So last question is, loved the golf towel you sold. Any plans for a non-Christmas one? So actually, yes. Um, We are going to be selling new golf towels very, very soon. And one of them is um, pretty risque. So I'm excited about that. (gasps) Amanda, are you going to do any golf towels in the future? Any second photo shoots coming up for you? I don't, but I might need your towel. Like, I don't care which one it is. Just send me a page towel and I will use it very proudly. We're uh, something I'm excited about. We're doing a collection this time. So if you don't want me on your towel, we have a couple other really cool options as well. So um, again, Amanda, I want to thank you so much for coming on. You You are seriously the best and always being so open and honest and literally don't let the Twitter Twitter trolls get to you because we need more outspoken, strong, smart women (laughs) in sports betting, but also just in sports and golf. So literally like they're stupid. Don't let them bother you. But again, you are seriously the best. Oh, thank you, Paige. I'm so glad. Like, I think it's been, it was what, a year ago that we met at the PGA show? Yeah. I remember the first time I saw you, I was like so afraid of you. I was like, oh my God, she's so famous. And then finally, well, I thought you hated me for like the longest time. No, I just have a really mean face. Like I Same. don't hate <laughs> anyone that I don't know. And like, as soon as I, I'm, and I'm kind of shy too. Like if, if I like first meet someone and they're really nice, I'm like, okay, I really like you. But if like, I go to them like, hi, and people are just like, hi, I'm like, <laughs> like, I don't know, but no, like, I'm so happy to have gotten to know you. Like you have been such a good friend to me and like, I adore you. So thank you so much for having me. Oh, well, you're the sweetest. That was best. And guys, I really hope you enjoyed today's episode and you can find us here next week. Follow playing around with Paige Renee on iHeartRadio. Or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. 
book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? My check engine light's on. Mm, that could hurt your gas mileage. The AutoZone free fix finder service can help find the fix for free. This whole report for free? That's right. Printed and on your phone for free. But what if the fix is too tough? We'll recommend a local shop. Fix Finder, only at AutoZone. Restrictions apply. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count.